Red Rocks Church, how you doing today? Oh man, I hope that you're doing awesome. So good to be here with you all. I want to take a second to welcome all those joining us online, on, in the, on the treadmill, in the car, in your living room, wherever you might be, all across the world, Brussels, God Behind Bars. Let's give it up for those people. We love you guys. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, my name is Andrew Matrone, and I'm one of the young adults pastors on staff here at Red Rocks Church. And anytime that I get the opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, man, I always come with such great expectation. And I have great expectation for what God's going to do in your life. I do hope that today would be a, a life-changing moment for you. Why, why not? Why, why can't today be the day where you look back in five, ten years from now and say, that was the moment where I decided for things to change. That was the moment where I decided to give my life to Jesus, and I have never looked back. And so I'm believing that for you today. What I'm going to preach on is something that God has been working in my soul, and so I feel like if God's working on me, then he might just be working on you. And so uh, my hope today is that you would leave feeling this message feeling encouraged, inspired, and challenge to continue on this path and this journey that the Lord has set before you. It's a beautiful journey. It's not an easy journey, but it's a beautiful journey. And the end goal is Jesus Christ, our Savior. And so today I I'm going to be reading out of, uh, out of Luke chapter 17. And not a ton of background to this story, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to read this passage in the Gospel of Luke, and we're just going to go verse by verse and just try to pull some stuff out and see what God might be trying to speak to you in this season. So I'm going to be going to Luke chapter 17, verse 11. If you got your Bibles, say I'm there. Hopefully someone said that. Thank you. It says this. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, we're not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Today I want to talk about what I believe is one of the most important and biblical principles in the kingdom of God and how it could change everything about your life. Uh, the title of today's message is The Grace of Gratitude. The Grace of Gratitude. Let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you so much, Lord, that you, you've already done so much. God, you, you, your presence is, is thick, I believe, in every room that's listening or every car that's listening. God, that your presence goes with us, that your spirit lives inside of us, Lord, so we can have a moment with you at any turn, at any moment that we need, Lord. So God, I pray that we would lean into you and trust you we love you. Speak to us. Challenge us today. And everybody said, amen, amen. So I've recently taken up running. Uh, shocker, I know. Um, you know, I, I felt like I needed to do something when we went into quarantine. And 
uh, all the gyms were, were taken away and I was eating a sleeve of Oreos every night, I, I figured that I have to do something or I'm going to come to work irrecognizable in a few months. So I, I decided, you know, I, I need to do something for myself. And I thought, you know, running might be a cool thing because uh, we live in a, in, a, in a really beautiful state of Colorado. I, I've, I've tried to enter my or channel my inner Coloradian and get outside. You know, and, and running outside, you got your mountains, you got your trails, you got all sorts of like beautiful little creatures running around, some, some weirder than others, but you have all your little creatures that are running around all over the, the, the forest, and it's so enjoyable to, to run. But the thing is about, about running is, is I've never really gotten into running before, and, it, and it's for a couple of reasons. Uh, the, the first reason is that I don't feel like God created me to be much of a runner. Um, I, I, I was created by God to run in a straight line really fast and hit people really hard. That, that's, that's how God created me. God did not create me to run long distance. But the second reason why I don't really like running long distance is because I'm a little insecure about how I run. I run kind of like an orangutan. And, but, but, but I felt like, you know, I got to do something with my life, with my health. So I decided I'm going to dive into running. And when I dive into something, I, I, I dive head first. And so I, I got the whole get up. And so I, I, I've recently, I've gotten the short pair of running shorts. Okay. You runners should appreciate this. Uh, I went and got some running shoes and, and, and runners, can I ask you a question? Why are running shoes the ugliest shoes on the planet? I, I, you know, I thought when Sean saw me with my running shoes that he was going to fire me because of the shoes. He didn't. But I also went and I got myself a Fitbit. And <laughs> Fitbit's awesome because, you know, at the end of the day, I can tell my wife how many steps that I've done by the end of the day. And I can tell by her expression how proud of me that she is. And so I, I decided that I'm going to start running. And so I kind of amped myself up for the first day that I was going to run. And, and I go outside of my house and, 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 and I start running on this trail. And I'm feeling pretty good. I'm, I'm running and feel, feeling good. I'm like, man, I kind of like this. And, and, and as I, I'm running, I'm approaching three teenagers that, that are coming the opposite direction. And, and I start seeing these teenagers. They're, they're, they're laughing. And I was a youth pastor for almost 10 years, so I know that they're laughing. It's probably because of me, but I'm, I'm going to pretend like it's not because of me. And they're laughing, and, and as I run past them, all of a sudden, they abrupt or they erupt in laughter. And, and I turn around, and one of the guys is literally going like this. <laughs> He's mimicking how I'm running. And I turn around and like, stop making fun of me. I'm big boned and they just take off running, super insecure. It ruined my day. But, you know, I've continued to run. And the great thing about running for me is that it's been a really great time for me to engage in my relationship with God. Like, as I run, I listen to worship music. And it's been a really cool time that God just downloads a lot of cool stuff to me. Well, a few weeks ago, I was about to go on a run. And it was just a day where I had a really difficult day. I, I rarely deal with um, anxiety. I rarely deal with any kind of depression. I, I rarely deal with, with loneliness or hopelessness. But it was this day, man, where I was, I was so overwhelmed. I just had a lot of things going on in my life. We had just had our little daughter who, she was born early. She had to be in the NICU, and she came home on oxygen with some lung issues. Uh, two days after we got our daughter home, our son had to be rushed to the ER because his heart condition came back. And then he had to have heart surgery. Um, our, our dishwasher flooded and messed up all of our floors. We had a squirrel that got into our chimney and died, and maggots were all, all over the place. And, and, and not to mention, we're in a global pandemic. And, 
And I had this moment where I was so overwhelmed, so overwhelmed and so exhausted. I felt like I was just failing as, as a father, as a husband. I just felt like I wasn't myself. And I decided that I was going to go on a run. And, and so I, I go on, on a run. I'm listening to some worship music. And, and the second that I like get outside and listen to worship music, I just start crying. And I, I'm just so overwhelmed. And I, I'm just explaining all my problems to God. I'm so frustrated with God. I'm, I'm, I'm yelling at God. I, I, I'm saying all my problems to God. And, and all of a sudden, I, I'm listening to this worship song. And in the bridge of the song, it starts repeating about God's faithfulness. And then I, I just, I had this moment where God just started downloading to me as I'm running. God started downloading to me all the things that he's been faithful in. And God started reminding me of all of his promises and all the things that he's done in my life. And all of a sudden, I just had this major heart shift. And all of a sudden, I am running down this trail, singing God's praises and thanking God for his faithfulness and provisions. I'm literally running down the trail with my hands up in the air. I'm crying, and I'm literally out loud crying out to God, thanking God, expressing my gratitude for his faithfulness, for the things that he has done in my life. People are running past me, running away from me, but I didn't care because my praise was important in that moment, and it changed something for me, and then the reality is that I, when I, by the time I finished my run, I couldn't even tell you what I was worried about in the first place, and did my circumstances change? Not at all. <laughs> they didn't, but you know what changed was, was my heart changed, and when you have a heart change, you have a perspective change. All because I repostured my heart back to a place of gratitude. Can anybody resonate with maybe what I was feeling when I first started my run? That, that, that maybe things in your life haven't gone quite as good as you thought that they should be going? That you have a lot more uh, stresses, stressors in your life than you have blessings in your life? And the things that felt like blessings a few months ago feel like stressors in your life now? I think for, for some people, I'd venture to say for a lot of people, that not much in your life is going the way that you thought that it should be going. You're like, I got no job. I got no food. My pet's heads are falling off. You're like, and I get it. This season of life has thrown us this giant curveball. And the thing about it is, is that the human nature, especially in our westernized culture, we are a very circumstantial culture, right? So I'm happy when this is taking place. I'm joyful when people are treating me a certain way. I, I'm generous when I have X amount of dollars in my bank account. I'm thankful when this is happening in my life. And if it's not happening in my life, then I'm going to feel all sorts of things that I don't want to feel about myself. Can, can I remind you of something, though? That one of the greatest weapons that a believer has in their arsenal to fight off and combat feelings of discontentment, discouragement, disappointment, anger, anxiety. One of the greatest tools that God has given every believer in your tool belt to fight off the things that the enemy throws at you on a daily basis is gratitude. It's gratitude. And not just the feeling of being thankful, but the expression of gratitude. And you might be saying, I don't know, that's a little fluffy. That's a little out there for me. But did you know that Thanksgiving is one of the few things that the Bible tells us is God's will for our life? I work with a lot of 20-somethings who are always like, what's God's will for my life? This is one of them. 
First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give what? Thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Colossians 4 says, devote yourself to thanksgiving. Don't just think about it. Don't just say it, but devote your life. Let gratitude be on the forefront of your mind. Why? Because Hebrews, Hebrews 13 says, thankfulness pleases God. Gratitude is one of the most powerful biblical principles that can change everything about how you engage in your daily life. Gratitude is powerful. And the cool thing about it is that even if you're not a believer listening, you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I think that we could all agree on this. You may not agree with anything else that I say about Jesus or biblically today, but you can agree on the fact that gratitude is powerful. Many studies have been performed over the years by secular research groups in universities that show not only the psychological but physiological effects of gratitude. I spent a lot of time this week researching a bunch of different studies and reading a bunch of different articles, again, by secular organizations, and they all seem to agree on the same thought, that gratitude changes things. Gratitude changes things. Studies would show that uh, gratitude has been linked to decreased depression. Somebody could use that today. That, that, that gratitude has been linked to increased optimism. That, that gratitude helps people sleep better unless you had a newborn. Right? Uh, gratitude improves physical health. Look, you don't even have to work out anymore. Just be more grateful and you'll be more skinny. Someone's like, really? Thank God. Gratitude, it, it reduces aggression, um, it, it improves self-esteem, it makes us happier, it makes us more successful. Gratitude has been shown to increase dopamine in the brain, which is the feel-good neurotransmitter in your brain. In other words, gratitude is free, and it feels really, really good. Interesting thing, though, is that science is always catching up to the Word of God. Research is just now showing what the Word of God has been screaming to us for thousands of years. That for thousands of years, the Word of God has been saying, devote yourself to a life of gratitude because it increases your joy. It creates contentment. It brings peace that surpasses all understanding. Something happens in you when regardless of if you're in your best season of life or your worst season of life, when you allow gratitude to be at the forefront of your mind. When you devote yourself and your life to gratitude. This story that I read earlier about these 10 men, I, I, I think it is a great way for us to see God's desire for us when it comes to this topic. And the interesting thing about this story is a lot of times when you read the Gospels, a lot of the writers of the Gospels, when they tell a story of Jesus in an interaction where he heals somebody, oftentimes it focuses, not all the time, but oftentimes it focuses on the healing. But Luke, the writer here, when, it, when he tells this story, he doesn't focus on the actual healing. He focuses on what happens after the healing. And he tells a story about these 10 lepers. Now, leprosy was this horribly infectious disease where it would rot away your skin and your bones and people would oftentimes lose, lose fingers or, or limbs and, and, and leprosy was, was the cause of death for people who, who wouldn't get healed by it. 
And so it was this horribly infectious disease. And if you were infected by this disease, it did not matter your status. Did not matter how much money you made. Didn't matter the color of your skin. Didn't matter your belief system. If you were infected, you were deemed unclean, unwanted, and you were cast out of society, kind of like a lifelong quarantine. And y'all complained for 30 days. Come on. But these 10 men, this is their situation. And I can imagine that these 10 men, they would gather together every day because oftentimes we, we gather with people who we share common struggles with. And, and they would gather together because they shared a common struggle. And these guys were probably friends. And this particular day, they're sitting in the same spot that they would always sit. And I can picture that they're just kind of sulking in their sorrows a little bit, rightfully so, talking about what life used to be or what they wish life would be. They're sitting there, they're sulking in their sorrows, and then all of a sudden, they see that Jesus is walking into the village. Now, these guys haven't had any interaction with Jesus yet, but they've heard about Jesus because people have been talking about Jesus as they walk by these men. And the one thing they've heard about this Jesus, that at one word or at one touch, he can completely restore your entire body. So this is their moment. It says, they cried out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. Jesus, master, have mercy on us. And what's so powerful is that Jesus stops. Side note, I, th I think I need to say this for some people in, in here that are listening today, that every time that you cry, cry out to Jesus, he stops. That no matter your situation, what you find yourself in, whether you brought it upon yourself or someone else brought it upon you, when you cry out, Jesus stops and listens because God's heart is always attuned to his children's cry. And so he stops for these men. And then Jesus says in verse 14, he says, when he saw them, he said, go show yourself to the priest. So Jesus doesn't actually heal them right in this moment. Why? Well, the Levitical law states that the priest must validate that a person has been cured of a disease, therefore declaring them clean or unclean. So if a diseased person was pronounced cured, the priest would be able to fully integrate them back into society. And so Jesus tells them, look, I want you to get up and I want you to walk to the priest. Jesus didn't promise a healing, but these guys must have heard that, hey, if you're obedient to the voice of Jesus, you might just experience healing. And so these guys, they stand up and they start walking in obedience towards the potential of a healing. And it says that as they were on their way, they were cured. As they were on their way. So they don't even make it to the priest. As they're on the way, they're cured. And I kind of picture it like this in my weird mind. I picture the 10 lepers, they're walking to the priest and, you know, they're like, man, what, what are we doing right now? Like, obviously, look at all this junk on our body. The priest is not going to proclaim us cured. Like, what, what are we doing? Like, he told us to get up, walk to the priest. What's happening? And, and, and there's one guy in the back. He's the pessimistic friend. You know, there's always a pessimistic friend in, in the group. Uh, let's call him Ted. And, and Ted, Ted is walking in the back. He's just kind of kicking rocks. He's like, man, this is stupid. What are we doing? So I go back to my spot and, and, and Ted's walking and Robert's walking in front of him. And, and Robert has this like really from the leprosy he has this really gross thing on his back. It's almost like a hole in his back and his skin. And, and, and Ted's looking at it and all of a sudden Robert's back just begins to 
to heal. And the sores are moving and things are forming back together. And Ted's like, yo, Robert, you're back. You're back. And Robert's like, what? My, oh, my God. And then Robert turns around and sees Ted. And Ted has this really gross thing on his face. His eyes all disfigured. And all of a sudden, Ted's face just starts, like, growing back together and forming back to its original place. He's like, yo, Ted, your face. Your face. And they all just start looking at themselves and each other. And sores are going away. And skin is healing. And, and, and fingers are, are, are coming back and, and, and limbs are, are, are going back. And they're all of a sudden fully restored as they're walking their way to the priest. And then they had to have had this celebration, right? I mean, they, they're going nuts, like twirling each other around, doing backflips. Like, yo, what up? Like, they're going absolutely crazy. And they're talking about, what are we going to do? I'm going to go see my family, go see my kids. Another guy's like, my family can wait. I'm going to L5 for some surf and turf. Like, I'm going to go enjoy my life for a minute. But then there's one man who's sitting there, and I, I picture this. Again, weird mind, but I picture this. Everybody's celebrating but this one man's just kind of like off to the corner, just like re-examining his, his body and seeing that, man, I, I actually am healed. I, I was obedient to what Jesus said, and I'm, I'm cured. And, and in that moment, like something so powerful happened inside his heart. And he's like, yo, fellas, I'm going to catch up with you in a little bit. I got to go take care of something. And it says that when this man saw that he was healed, it says that he returned back to Jesus, praising God in a loud voice. He returned back to Jesus, praising God in a loud voice. Now, I, I want you to think about this. Whenever I, I'm preaching a story, I read the same story about a thousand times and try to pull something else out every time. And, and I saw this. Rewind to the beginning of the story. Ten men shouted in a loud voice a request from God. One man returned and shouted in a loud voice a praise for God. How often are our shouts of request far greater than our shouts of praise? Come on, I mean, that, 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 that bothered me this week when I saw that. How often are our shouts of request far greater than our shouts of praise? All right, what would our life look like if our shouts of praise were greater than our shouts of request? What if not every time that we went to God, it was like, God, do this, God, I need this, but God, thank you for who you are. God, thank you for your goodness. God, thank you for your faithfulness. What would happen in your life? If it wasn't always revolved around your request, but it was a revolved around your praise, I think things would change. But then this man, he takes it one step further. He returns back to God, shouting to God in a loud voice, praise. But then it says that he throws himself at the feet of Jesus and thanks him. I mean, now, now, now picture this. Picture if you're this man and you've just been cured. This man had to have been so emotional and weeping. And he throws himself at the feet of Jesus and thanks him. Jesus, thank you. W without you, I would not be cured. Without you, I would still be sitting there with sores all over my body. Jesus, because of you, I'm healed. Jesus, I was on a path to death, but now I'm on a path of life because you. What did this man do? What, what was so profound about what this man did? Well, it was an act of humility for this man to throw himself to the feet 
of Jesus. You, you know, that's what gratitude is. Gratitude is an act of humility. Gratitude is you and I admitting to God that without you, I am nothing. That without you, I have nothing. That because of you, I'm healed. Because of you, I'm restored. Because of you, I once was on the path of death, but now I am on the path of life. James 1.17 says, every good and perfect gift is from above. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Can I, can I say something that might offend you a little bit? Can I say it? That everything that is good in your life is because God has allowed you to have it. Not because you've done anything. Not because you're perfect. Not because you've done all the right things in the right moments. God, every good and perfect thing in your life is because God has allowed you to have it. You're like, no, I don't know, man. Because I, I, I worked pretty hard. I, I put in the schooling. I put in the time. I've invested the right amount of money, the right time, and the right people. I have worked hard for the life that I have. Yes, I understand that. But who created you with that mind? Who created you with the personality that gave you the drive and the motivation and the work ethic? Who gave you the wisdom to make the right decisions at the right time? Who allowed you to be born into a situation that gave you more opportunity than other people? It was God. Look, if you think that everything good in your life is a result of you, you'll never express gratitude, and your relationship with God will be far more about requests and far less about praise. When you finally realize that everything good and perfect in your life is not a result of you, but a result of God, you will not find yourself feeling so entitled to things. You'll stop feeling like God owes you everything. But until you can get to that place, you'll always feel entitled to or feel like God owes you something. And so Jesus, what's interesting is this man, he throws himself at Jesus' feet and Jesus doesn't he acknowledges him, but he asks him a question. He's like, hey, uh, didn't I clean, cleanse 10 of you and only one of you returned? I think that's uh, only 10%. Like, it sounds like Jesus, his tone, I'm not 100% sure, but it's like he's kind of frustrated. He's like, yo, where are the rest of you? And I don't know why Jesus or, or these nine men didn't return to give God praise. Uh, perhaps the first one, he was too busy enjoying the new blessings in his life. Uh, maybe the second man, he didn't correlate uh, Jesus' words and the healing. Maybe the, the, the third man, he didn't want to give Jesus credit. Maybe the fourth man was like, you know what, Jesus, I have had a really difficult life. I think that you owed me this one. I don't know why these nine men didn't return to give praise back to God. I don't know why you and I oftentimes in our life don't return to give praise back to God. But either way, you can tell by the tone of Jesus' voice that he has some kind of expectation that these people and that you and I would return back to him with praise. Why? Because God needs our praise? Because God needs our worship? 
Because God needs our glory? No, let me free you up for a moment. God does not need your praise. God does not need your worship. God does not need your glory. The Bible says if you and I won't do it, the rocks will do it. You know why Jesus wants you to come back and expects you to come back with praise? Because he wants to do something extra in your life. Because he's not finished with you yet. And this was this man's story. It says, then he said to him, after this man, he was at his Jesus' feet. He says, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Other versions say that your faith has healed you or your faith has saved you. It's like, wait, weren't all 10 lepers healed? Yes. All 10 lepers were physically healed. But watch this. The man who chose to return to Jesus to thank him received an additional blessing. He didn't just receive a physical healing, but he received a spiritual blessing. When Jesus said, your faith has made you well, he let the man know that he hadn't just experienced restoration for his body, but he had experienced restoration for his soul. Jesus pronounced this man further healed, suggesting that, this is so important, that our gratitude impacts a soul-level healing. That something happens deep inside yourself when we return back to God and express gratitude. This is so perfectly uh, exemplified in Philippians 4, 6. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and petitioning and what? Thanksgiving, present your request to the Lord. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. The soul refreshing and the soul restoration for our minds and our hearts that we all desire that leads to peace and strength and contentment. It's a result of what? Prayer and petitioning and thanksgiving. This this verse would assume that thanksgiving and prayer and petitioning is a prerequisite to feeling the peace and the soul refreshing and restoration that we all so deeply desire whether you are a believer in Jesus Christ or not. See, gratitude, it does something. It does something. And sometimes it's really hard to explain, but just like I experienced that day, gratitude, it changes your heart. And when you have a heart shift, you have a perspective shift. And I say this all the time, but your perspective determines your path, right? Try being angry and grateful at the same time. Try being discontent and grateful at the same time. Try being anxious or depressed at the same time. It's really, really difficult. You know why? Because they are on two completely separate wavelengths. They are on two completely separate paths, do you see how powerful this is? Or, or do I need to, to yell at you for another eight hours? Like, do you, do you see how, how powerful this is? That we all want peace. Every single one of us rests our head to bed at night and wake up in the morning wanting peace. We would give up every materialistic thing if I could just have peace. All of us want contentment, living in a world that isn't content with anything, and we compare ourselves to the left or right of everybody else around us on social media. Like every single person wants to experience joy in a world that is filled with sorrow and anger and bitterness. We all want those things, but gratitude, let me tell you, is the tool to experience and fight off and combat all the things that the enemy wants to throw at you, to experience the life and the calling that Jesus has for you. I want to take the next couple minutes and just just get practical for a moment. And I want to challenge you with something.
Can you, for a moment, step out of your proverbial life bubble? Like maybe you like literally need to just be like, okay, I'm out. What else? What do you need? Like can, can you step out of your situation and your circumstance for a moment? I get it. Life is throwing you a curveball. Or maybe for you, life is great. Life is perfect. But still step outside of it for a moment. I know that you're hurting. I know there's a lot of things going on in our world. I know that you have a lot of pressures in this world. But for a moment, can you just step outside of all the things that are going on in your life? And for a moment, can we practice a change of perspective? Can, can, can we try to work ourselves in the next few moments to get ourselves to a, a heart change so that we can have a perspective shift? Can, can I remind you about a few things about God for this season? Can I remind you that life may not be good, but God is? Can, can I remind you that, that you may have lost faith in everything, even God, but God will remain faithful? Can, can I tell you that, that this world is constantly changing, things are constantly changing, but the word of God, the promises of God are never changing? That Jesus is the same today, yesterday, and forever? Can, can I remind you that even when you're broke, sick, and tired, that Jesus is still good? That even when you're weary or you're anxious, that Jesus is still good? Can, can you step out for a moment, step out of your current situation, your current uh, circumstances, and, and, and begin to thank God for the provisions in your life. Like literally, maybe right now, you're driving. You need to pull the car over and turn me off and turn some worship on and literally out loud begin to express gratitude to God. Maybe you're sitting in your living room right now and what you need to do is get down on your hands and knees as an act of humility and say, Jesus, thank you. I, I know that I'm not where I could be, but God, thank you where I'm not where I used to be. Thank you that I'm not still caught in that addiction. God, I know that my health isn't all that great, but Lord, thank you for every breath that I have. I'm going to use every breath that I have to praise the Lord. God, I know that uh, the house isn't the one that I want, but thank you for a roof over my head. Jesus, I know that I drive a hoopty, but Lord, thank you for giving me a car to drive to a job that millions of people don't have right now. Lord, I know that life isn't good right now, but Lord, thank you that I still have my health and my family's health when hundreds of thousands of people have lost their life to a horrible virus in the past few months. I know that my husband is driving me absolutely insane. But Jesus, thank you that he's a great provider and a great father to my children. Jesus, I know that my children are acting like spawns of Satan, but Jesus, thank you for their health, and thank you over the past few months that I have had hundreds and thousands of extra hours with them that I would not have had. Listen, even if you think you have nothing in this life to be grateful for, can you take a minute to thank God for sending his one and only son, Jesus Christ, that died on the cross for you, and through your faith in him, you can have new life, not only on this earth, but for eternity in heaven. Can you thank Jesus that when he is sent into heaven that he left the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you and that empowers you and convicts you and guides you and comforts you. Can you take a moment to step outside yourself and say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your goodness, for your provisions, for your faithfulness. Listen, gratitude is an expression of faith. Just like Jesus said to this man, your faith has made you well. Gratitude is an expression of faith. And watch this. Faith is active. Therefore, gratitude is active. We have to be active in our gratitude. We can't just sit back and, and let life just keep throwing stuff at us because it will. It will. 
You have to draw the line in the sand for yourself and say, I, from here on out, will choose that no matter what is going on in my life, no matter my circumstance, I choose to be active in my expression of gratitude. Some of y'all, for the first time, need to humble yourself before God and thank him for the provisions in your life. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. Those who exalt themselves will be humbled. The Bible says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and in due time, he will raise you up. Amen that we have to be active in our faith, active in our gratitude. And we won't just experience a physical restoration. We'll experience a soul restoration and experience all the things that Jesus created us to desire. Ben, you can come on up. I hope that you're doing well sitting there watching me. You know, I, I've, I've genuinely tried to make this uh, a really strong practice in my life. I have a really, really, what I preached about today, I have a deeply rooted conviction about this. And, and I've tried to, to preach today what I, what I try to practice in my own life. And I try to do the best of my ability. I, I try to spend time in prayer every day. Sometimes I get an hour. Sometimes my kid yells at me because he wants a toaster scrambler in 30 seconds after waking up, and I don't get to do anything. And so sometimes it's, it's in the car or whatever, but, but I, I try to spend a few moments every day in prayer to God. And the biggest practice that I have learned in this past season of life is I have to start my time with God with gratitude. I have to. Because you, you know what we're tempted to do, we're tempted to, in the few times that we do engage with God, we're, we're tempted to, to kind of give our rap sheet of everything that's going on in my life, of, of all the, the frustrations, of all the hurt, of, of the financial loss, of, of the marital disappointments, or whatever it might be, we're really tempted to do that. And sometimes I find myself doing that when I journal, and I literally will like exit out and scribble it out, and I'll be like, God, sorry. Thank you. Thank you. And here's what I've learned. And I think it's really profound. I've learned that in my prayer time with God, when I start with praise, I rarely get to my problem. But when I start with my problem, I rarely get to praise. Have you ever experienced that before? You, you, you start with praise and you just spend time, the little time that you have in your day, just praising God. And by the time you're done, you're like, God, I don't know, I just weirdly trust you. I think you're going to do whatever you said you're going to do. But when we start with our problem, you wonder why your prayer life is so ineffective. You wonder why you walk away from your prayer sessions not really feeling any difference because you've made your prayer about you and not about him. You know what? I felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me on that fateful day while I was running. Is I felt like the Holy Spirit, and I think it was the Holy Spirit, maybe it was, I don't know, I think it was the Holy Spirit, but I felt the Holy Spirit say, Andrew, it's time to take your focus off your problem and put your focus on your provider. It's time to take your focus off your problem and start reposturing your heart towards your provider. See, there's a lot of people that you're listening to me today, and you've experienced a lot of problems in your life. Financial problems, marital problems, career problems. And those problems have become your life's focus. 
Like you have lasered in on the problems within your life. But, but here's what I've learned in life, is that what you focus on, you'll worship. And what you worship will align your life. So in a weird way, when we focus so deeply on our problem, we almost in a weird way begin to worship that problem because we have put that problem on a pedestal in our life. And what we focus on, we worship, and what we worship aligns our life. So everything in your life has been aligned underneath that problem. And so you wonder why you're filled with discontentment. You wonder why you're filled with anger and disappointment and bitterness in your life. But the opposite is true. That when I focus on my provider, I will worship my provider and my life and my world will be aligned under that. That's why you can see somebody who has nothing that you have, but they have a joy that you don't have. <laughs> so powerful. It's so life-changing. So the question is, how do I focus on my provider? Gratitude. Ding, 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 ding. Gratitude. So I don't know where you stand today. Maybe you're like, man, I, uh, this has been a huge practice in my life. I fully agree with you. Well, good. I hope that you have been shouting me down behind that screen the entire time. Go get him, Andrew. Come on. That's good. Yes, I believe it. Great. But for some of you, maybe this is not a practice in your life at all. And I hope that what I just talked about or your praise or your problem, I hope that it it bothers you deeply every time that you go to pray. I hope that from here on out the rest of your life, you're like, oh man, I got to praise. Not focus on my problem, but focus on my provider. So I pray that the Lord has been speaking to you today, challenging you, but be active in this today. We have to Return back. God's going to continue to do great things in your life. You'll continue to experience some hardship. In this world, you will have trouble, so don't get mad about that. But God will continue to do great things. But can you, for a moment, as you're walking down the path to experience the life that God has for you, can you, can you take a moment every day, every morning, to return back in an act of humility and express gratitude and fall to the feet of Jesus and say, thank you, because without you, I am nothing. Let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you. For everybody listening today under the sound of my voice, Lord, I pray that you would just speak so clearly to this room today. God, I know that you created everybody uniquely, so you're speaking to them uniquely. But begin to speak and challenge, convict where needed, encourage, inspire where needed. But Lord, we love you. We thank you so much for all the provisions in our life. And we give you praise and honor and glory, not because of what you, what, what you give to us, but because of what you've done for us. So, Lord, we love you. We trust you. We ask all this in your name. Amen. Red Rocks Church, let's stand wherever you're at. Let's worship.